this morning, God, he's put on my heart to kind of carry on from where I was last week. I didn't finish what I had to say last week. So basically, um, I I just want to give us a recap and then we'll go from there. But if you if you remember what I was talking about last week was this uncertainty that we've all lived with and this uncertainty that we all have when we look forward. And we've heard this morning from the Holy Spirit that we walk by faith and not by sight. So we're going to have to uh, be those who don't just wait for things to happen to us but we actually get involved in shaping things with the Lord according to his plan. And to do that, we're going to have to know what to do and what decisions to take. And I said, I shared last week that whilst I normally don't put a lot of weight on these things, uh, when everybody comes out with their prophecies for the new year, you remember we all had 2020 vision and everything was going to come into sharp focus and it's going to be amazing and, and then we hit COVID and, and all those sort of things. Well, but one really resonated me, with me this year and it, 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 was, it was a full, uh, much fuller than this, but the, the, the heading was, in 2022, you will know what to do. And that's what we all want, isn't it? To know what to do. And so I started to explore that. I, I, I dug into the depths of that word that was given and I started to explore it with the Holy Spirit for myself. And basically, what the, the real challenge is, and, and I talked about this in terms of like a GPS system, you know, we have in our cars. And now you, you, you're driving along and it tells you whether to turn right, to turn left, carry straight on and how, how long for and all the rest of it. And that's what we need in our lives. And yet we have that in our lives and it's called the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's last week's summary notes all falling apart. I had to write it down what I'd said. Um, I had to go back and listen to it. So I wrote it down what I'd said so I knew that I was summarising it properly. So we'll try it to do it without falling apart. And we looked at this verse, didn't we? Proverbs 3, verse 12, which is the Lord corrects those he loves. And one of the the real challenges that we've had in church culture, I I guess for the last 15, 20 years, is we've we've become a people who don't like correction. In fact, it's sometimes like you can't talk about correction because Jesus just loves you, whatever. Yeah, Jesus loves you. That's why he corrects us. That's what it says. He corrects those he loves. So if he gives you a course correction, it's because he loves you. So we should be like, wow, this is a sign that the the, the one I love loves me because he's given me a correction. That's, That's what it's saying. And you see, here's the thing that that, that correction, it might initially, because of our flesh, because we, we, we have this thing called flesh, for some of us it's going to jar, for some of us it's going to feel uncomfortable, and the natural reaction of our flesh is to reject that as, I'm not doing that, or that's for somebody else, or that's not for me, or that's for some point in the future. And, and we, we've, we can become unresponsive to the voice of the Spirit. 
Now, the Holy Spirit's not always correcting us, but he does want us to know whether to turn left, turn right, carry straight on, and for how long for. Because we're heading to a destination. We're heading in a direction. And the truth is that, that God has a, you know, he's got a good plan for you, and he's got things prepared for you to do and to live out. And, uh, but your revival at those things, your revival at walking in God's plan is subject to how open you are to his course corrections. So he can keep you on the right path. He can keep you on the right direction. The second thing I mentioned last week was this thing that I've got on my car now and it irritates me. It really annoys me. It's called lane control. And it's to stop me smashing into barriers or oncoming traffic. How many of you, you've got a, a lane control in your cars now? And, and it's, it's really annoying because you want to go back in and unless you put your indicator on, it won't let you go unless you like really haul your car over. God deals with us in a similar sort of fashion. And he's got two... Two sides to this lane control. One of you stops you going up the banking and turning over, and the other one stops you going in the ditch on the other side. The one that stops you going up the banking and turning over is called grace. Grace is God's gift to us. We can't earn it. We don't pay for it. And, and there's nothing we can do to change it. Grace just is. However, grace is like, it, it's not just like, this, this thing that, it does, grace doesn't say it doesn't matter what you do. Grace says God loves you absolutely whatever. But there are things that are pleasing to God and there are things that are unpleasing to God. And we have this, this issue that our flesh likes to do things that isn't pleasing to God. And our spirit, our new spirit man, our born again man, is going, do God's stuff, do God's stuff. That's where the excitement is. That's where the good stuff is. And our flesh is going, oh no, I, I want to live for me. And your spirit's going, no, live for Jesus because that is the, that's where you'll be fulfilled. That's where the joy is, where the excitement is. That's where you get to relate to Jesus and live with him. Right, Not just in, when you get to heaven, but right now, you can have a real relationship with Jesus. And and, and this grace is like L-plates. And these L-plates keep you going and look after you. You know, like when you go out for driving lessons and you've got this, this uh, the other guy's got that dual control brake. That's grace. It, it, it's there to help us by giving us new birth through the Spirit and to help us know that we are forgiven and not condemned. That Jesus loves us and he loves us and he loves us and he loves us. But the other side, the stoppers going in the ditch, is this thing called the fear of the Lord. And, and that's, that's so that we, we don't forget that we made him Lord. That's how we became a newborn believer. And, and it's the, the fear of the Lord is saying, truly, is that who he is to you? Do you remember when you said that? Do you remember when, when you made that commitment? So we've got these two things, this lane control. And we, we looked last week again, didn't we, about how God does that. And we learned that he doesn't do it through tragedy, sickness, pain, suffering, all that sort of stuff. The Lord 
teaches us through the word, through his spirit, and through others. Others that we're in fellowship with. Here's, here's the point to kind of summarize it all. If you are intentionally tuned out, then you will miss what God has for you. If I don't listen to my GPS and just think, well, I know better, I've got, I've got a shortcut. I've found out what happens when I ignore my GPS and think I've got a shortcut. I go and I find traffic jams with great regularity that my GPS knew about, but I didn't. And so if we, we intentionally uh, or, or neglectfully tune out from the voice of the Spirit, listening to the Word and gathering together, then we'll miss God's goodness for us. And the same is if we unintentionally tune out, we'll miss God's goodness and we'll miss his plan for us. Here's, here's the real thing though. If you're not reading the word and you're not listening to the voice of God, you will miss his plan for your life. You will have second best. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that because you can have the best. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, you see, that, that I've kind of understood from all of this, is that God's got my best interests at heart. And, and he's trying to show me all these things. And there's this thing called my flesh that just gets in the way. My flesh is lazy. My flesh doesn't want to get out of bed in the morning and pray and worship. My flesh doesn't want to stick chairs out at 9am on a Sunday morning. It just doesn't want to do it. But I know that there is a, a, a great joy in seeing what God can do through all of that. Through, through serving him and loving him and caring for him. And so that's where we got to last week. And we, we got to this point. That, that I said, which is correction. So the first step, first thing about in 2022, you'll know what to do, is responding to that correction, that course correction that God gives us. And that course correction leads to direction. Course correction. Correction leads to direction. Remember that. Correction leads to direction. So without the, 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 the word and without listening to the Spirit, we'll miss the direction. But we want to be on the right direction. So correction is actually a prerequisite of direction for our lives. Here's what we need. And, and I guess I finished here last week. Here's what we need in order to get that direction. I put it in terms of you need to turn left, right, or carry on or whatever. But really what we need is the wisdom to make the right decisions. Now wisdom is very different from logic. Wisdom is very different from information. Wisdom is actually different from intelligence. There are a lot of very, very intelligent people who are very, very unwise with the way they run their lives. In fact, there's a lot of people who say there's no God and the Bible tells us that they're fools. But they're very, very clever people. 
So we actually want wisdom in our decisions. And, and often what we do is we, we sit down and we, we, we come up and we do all our plans and we do all our thinking and we go, oh, that's a good idea. How do I make that happen? And that's a great idea. How do I make that happen? And there's lots of good intelligence in it and lots of good imagination and lots of good creativity. But unless there's wisdom, they could, the, the, the likelihood is that we're going to make a series of wrong decisions. Not for bad reasons, and, and not because we, we're bad people, but we're just making the bad decisions because we didn't have wisdom. The Bible tells us that Jesus is wisdom. It says he became wisdom unto us. He's our wisdom. He's our, our guideline. He's the one that points us in the right direction. And so, more than anything... We want Jesus as the centre of our focus, as we walk by faith and not by sight. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So, there's things that we can do that seem right to us, that are going to lead us down a path that actually is going to be detrimental to us and destructive to us. Why is that? The, the reason for that is that our heart is deceitful. And because it's deceitful, we don't know we've been deceived because it's good at it. Our heart is our, where our spirit and soul meet. So our soul, in our soul, is all this stuff that leads us down this path that looks great, looks wonderful, looks the right thing to do, looks the best way of living my life, and we go helter-skelter, 70 mile an hour, breaking the speed limit down that path, and it's the wrong path. Because there's a way that seems right to us, but there's a way that is right, which is the wisdom of God. And, and that's, that's kind of our problem, isn't it? That, when we, we, we live in these times of uncertainty, whether it's at, at, at work, at university, at school, at home, what, in relationships with the whole COVID thing, uh, all that sort of stuff. When you live in those times of, of uncertainty, it's so easy to be run by your emotions and your feelings. Because uncertainty kicks off feelings. It kicks off emotions, it kicks off fear, it, it kicks off, um, you know, all sorts of anxiousness and uncomfortableness. And, you know, I, I don't know anybody that's really comfortable and excited by uncertainty. And yet we live with it all the time. But if we're led around by our feelings and our emotions and all that other stuff that's kicking off, then we'll, we'll get we'll go down dead ends. And for, for many of us, that's what we've experienced the last two years. That's why there's this weight. That's why we feel we can't break out of it. That's why we kind of, oh, I don't know how I feel about church. I don't know how I feel about God. And, and all that sort of stuff that, that's within the body of Christ. But here's the thing, that if we take correction and we head towards Jesus... That's the place of joy. That's the place of wisdom. That's the place of life. That's the place of discernment. That's the place of understanding. And that's the place we're meant to live. That's the place we're invited to. So I want you to go with me 
to Hebrews chapter 12. Because one of the things that I, I just, can I be honest with you? I used to use this as an excuse when I was a, a younger Christian. Because I started to understand about covenant and the difference between the new and the old covenant and things. And if somebody taught me something from the Old Testament, I go, well, that's Old Testament. I don't need to listen. But, you see, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. He didn't eradicate it. So we need to understand what is changed by the cross and what isn't. And, you see, in Hebrews, and in um, the, the reason I'm taking you there now, Hebrews chapter 12, is it repeats what Proverbs, that passage I talked to from Proverbs last week said. And uh, it says this, My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. There is in the New Testament. God does discipline us. He does correct us. But don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. Isn't that just what we, we looked at last week from Proverbs? God disciplines because he loves the child he embraces, he corrects. So this is a universal principle of the kingdom, not something that is either old, just old covenant or just new covenant. It's a universal principle of the kingdom that God the Father loves us so much, he takes the time to correct us and point us in the right direction. Isn't that cool? That God loves you is so much that little old Bob from Averhill, he can, he can look down and he can go, I care so much about Bob that I'm just going to shift him five degrees right because he's going on the wrong path. And I'm going to tell Dawn to tell him. <laughs> God tells Cheryl all the time when I'm going on the wrong path. <laughs> Well, she says he does. <laughs> anyway, so let's start at the beginning of chapter, Hebrews chapter 12 and, and we'll just whiz through this. Because this is such a powerful statement of the way God blesses a believer who has truly made Jesus the centre of his life. I was, I was struck by how much we live in a way, I think inadvertently or unconsciously or unintentionally, in a way that assumes it's God's job to bless my ideas. And that's not actually true. We, we can get an idea and we can get so plunged in and so locked into that idea that it's difficult to get out of. And God didn't tell us to do it in the first place. Or if he did tell us to do it, he didn't tell us to do it in that way. And so we, we need to kind of realize that, you see, there's a, day, there's a truth in this that God wants you to have your best life now. Okay? I remember we were in... Uh, an airport in Kansas years ago and um, Sarah Green came up to me with this book and, and it was about having your best life now and 
here's the thing. And I thought, well, why wouldn't I want my best life now? Don't we all want our best life now? That's okay. But there's a caveat on it. You see, Jesus didn't come so that I could remain unchanged and have my best life. That's not the gospel. We need to understand that. The gospel isn't that I can remain unchanged and Jesus' purpose in coming is to make my life the best life I can have. The gospel is that Jesus came so that I might be changed to be the best me now. Not that I can have a great life necessarily. Although he does want to bless me. Because he wants to bless all his children. And he does bless us. And he heals us. And he sets us free. And he does all those amazing things. And yet he came so that I can be changed. Not that I can just go along to church. Say a few prayers and I get blessed. That's not how it works. That's why so many people spend year after year trying to get God to do something for them. It never happens and then they get disillusioned. Because they're not changed. The greatest treasure of all is that you would look like Jesus. So anyway, Hebrews chapter, I went off for one then. Hebrews chapter 12. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed, I'll, I'll read it and then I'll go back and make a few comments on it. I'm reading from the message, so you can follow it in yours, see if the message is whatever, but I'm doing it from the message because again, it's a familiar passage and we need new light on a familiar passage. Often we, we read things and we've read them so many times that it fails to impact us. Do you see what this means? Do you? Do you see what this means? That's the, 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 the tone of it. Guys, having... And all that I've said, do you see what it means for you? All these pioneers who blazed away, who walked by faith, not by sight. All these veterans cheering us on. It means you'd better get on with it too. Strip down, start running, and don't quit. No extra spiritual fat and no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. That's the finish line. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honour, right alongside God. So when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again. That's a real straight instruction, isn't it? When you find yourself struggling with your faith, go back, look at Jesus. Look at what he did. Go over the story again. Get in the word. Item by item. That long litany of hostility you ploughed through that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. 
When you look at Jesus, when you, when you, you study him, when you see the way he behaved by what he did, and you gaze upon his beauty, it shoots adrenaline in your soul. That tells me, if I haven't got adrenaline in my soul, that I'm not doing that. Because if I was, I'd have adrenaline in my soul. I would be on fire. And the mo You cannot gaze upon Jesus. You cannot spend time with Jesus and not be on fire. If you are spending time with Jesus and you're not on fire, you're not encountering Jesus. You're encountering something you've made him to be. Instead of who he is. Because he is burning. He's the consuming one. He's the first love. He's the glorious one. In this all out match against sin. Us have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through. All that blood. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you. Guys we so need to hear that. Don't feel sorry for yourself. It's not that. We don't understand. That. That this has been an awful two years for everybody, but don't feel sorry for yourself. That's your flesh talking. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his child? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. Don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God's educating you. That's why you must never drop, drop out or give up. You miss out on the education. Wouldn't it be awful if you gave up the day before the, the thing that made it all click for you dropped into place? He's treating you as a dear child. The trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children and only irresponsible children leave... Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God who didn't care? That's, that's a, a really stunning question, isn't it? Would we prefer an irresponsible God who didn't care? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we truly live. At the time, the discipline isn't much fun. Feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who will find themselves mature in the relationship with God. Yeah. So don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging our feet. Clear the path for the long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall so no one goes down a hole and sprains an ankle. Help each other out and start running for it. Start running for it. That's God's word to us right now. Start running for it. Get that adrenaline in our souls and start running for it. God responds to hunger. The trouble is our flesh doesn't have hunger. So if we want hunger, we have to ask him for the hunger in the first place. But... Here's the thing, God's with us all the way on the journey. So even if we don't feel hungry, even if we feel like, oh, I've had enough, or I can't be bothered, or I'm just tired, or whatever, tell God he's got the answer. He's got the provision. He's got the strength. He's got the energy. And he's going to put that 
adrenaline in your soul when you make Jesus really number one in your life. You know, when it says at the start, don't you see what all this means? It's referring to the previous chapter, which we all know and love, the great heroes of the faith. And so it, it's saying, it's saying, don't you see what it means for you when you look at those guys? The point's not to celebrate those guys. The point is to realize what it means for us. That we have to be people of faith, not people of circumstance. And that the type of faith we're looking for isn't just faith that we talk about or we've got information on. It's faith that endures and goes through. But not only endures and goes through, which we've all had to do, but determines that when it's gone through, it's going to come out stronger, not weaker. Not like limping out like some invalid. It comes through stronger. And that's what I'm praying for us, that we would be people who, who in the next year will be stronger than we were three years ago. We, we do pray for you, you know. Me and the missus. Just thought I'd mention that. I'm paying for answers now. You see, here's the problem about being a pastor. No matter how many people get it, I always want more people to get it. It's never enough. It's never enough for my saviour. It's never enough that, that we can only reach a certain number of people. We have to reach more. And the only way we're going to reach more is we've, we've got that fire, that adrenaline inside. So then he says, it, this is what it means when you look at those men of faith. Get on with it. Get on with it. Strip down, start running, the time is now. It might not seem like the time is now. We might all want to just take a deep breath and like flop in an armchair for six months because we've had a difficult two years. But Jesus is saying the time is now. No more, I prefer being in my pyjamas and, and slobbing about. Oh, I've got in that habit over Christmas, you know. I've been, the, the, they're not pyjamas, they're lounge outfits. M&S now have these things called lounge outfits, which means... I, I, I can put that on in the morning. I can wander around all day looking scruffy and feel, feeling good. And I, I do enjoy it on a Saturday in my lounge outfit. <laughs> me, me and Jesus are okay with my lounge outfit. I'll just mention that to you. But, but they really aren't great for running in. They just get in the way. I tried it. I chased the dog around the garden with the lounge outfit on. It didn't end well. It ended with a, a very muddy lounge outfit and a very muddy face. And that wasn't the dog.
So if we're running, what's the destination? You see, Cheryl says, the minute I start talking about these things, and Cheryl talks about these things, and she starts reading stuff, she gets very excited. And then she starts worrying she's not doing enough. And Roger goes, oh, Cheryl. <laughs> Here's the thing. We'll always feel like we're not doing enough. Because yeah. we've not kind of got the grace bit that's stopping us going off the hill and turning over. But the question isn't, are you doing enough? Because what Shavlin means by that is she said, what church activity should we be doing that I need to be doing that I haven't been doing? That's what she means. And how many people can I ring up in a week and how many phone calls is appropriate if I'm doing what I should be doing? And, and the minute you start talking about that, that's how, how we start thinking. I'm not doing enough for the Lord. It's the wrong approach. It's also the wrong approach to think I don't need to do anything for the Lord. Here's the thing. You need to do what he asks you to do. Not what churches do or other people do or other people expect you to do. You need to do what he's asking you to do. And so you need to know what he's asking you to do. And how do you do that? You keep your eyes fixed on the destination. And here's the destination. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not on what you think you need to do, but on Jesus. Who began and finished this same race you're in now. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Where was he headed? He was headed into complete fellowship with his father. That's the destination. If we substitute anything but Jesus for the destination of our life, he's always going to be trying to correct us back onto that course. And if we don't get corrected back onto that course, we will miss everything he has for us. It's so important. It's about Jesus. It's about relationship with him, knowing him. That's what we've got to learn. We don't need to know the exact division of land in Israel when they went into the promised land and make something spiritual out of it. We don't need to know all the laws in Leviticus and, and decapitation of birds and blood and all the rest of it. We need to know Jesus. And we need to know how we get to know Jesus. Because that's where the fire is. Now he's there in that place of honour, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item. The long list of hostility ploughed through. And that's going to shoot adrenaline into your souls. I was talking to a, a friend of mine. And we were, we're talking about the struggles that people in churches and leading churches are having because of what this COVID thing has done. 
In some instances, it hasn't done anything. It's just that it's actually shown us where our faith was. In some instances, it has done things. It's pushed people down. It's put a weight on them. It's it created anxiety and concern and all the rest of it. But we are not called to live like that. Although in my flesh, and I'll, I'll own up, I'm probably one of the worst. I would like to live like that. I would like to stay in my lounge outfit seven days a week, 365 days a year. I would. I'd be quite okay. As long as I got bacon sandwiches, I'd be fine in my flesh. But I'm not going to be fine. I'm not going to be fine. Because this isn't 70 years, it's eternity. And I want to get to know him now so that when I meet him in eternity, it's not too steep a learning curve. There's been a lot of noise, hasn't there, from the church about all the things that we have faced and all the restrictions and all that and everybody's got an opinion. Here's the thing. Jesus is coming back soon. This isn't persecution. This is not persecution by any stretch of the imagination. This is just uncomfortable compared to what is coming. And if we've fallen over with uncomfortable, perhaps that's because we were preaching comfortable. The destination's Jesus. You know, it says in here, doesn't it? Don't feel sorry for yourself. Okay, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I deny that sorrow a right to my thoughts. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to be more prominent in my thoughts than that. So I'm going to turn my attention to you intentionally right now and I'm going to worship you and praise you. Because I know you love me. I know you for me. And I know that you said you'd never leave me. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. If you follow the directions, there's a payoff coming. There's treasure at the end of this. There's treasure during it, but there's treasure at the end of it. There's a payoff coming. And it's a good thing. And you have been storing up treasure in heaven. And you have been storing up treasure in your relationship with Jesus. And the treasure is, you know him. The greatest treasure of all. 
the greatest treasure of all. And your flesh is going, nah, want the money, want the career, want the house, want the clothes, want the perfume, want the aftershave. And yet the Holy Spirit within you, that adrenaline shot, is crying out, the greatest treasure of all is Jesus. The greatest treasure of all is Jesus. So here's the thing. What does that all mean for you? I seem to have lost the worship team. Can I have the worship team back? What does that mean for you? You know, like the question they asked at the start. I've told you all about these great men of faith. So what does it mean for you? It means... This isn't the time for flagging. This is the time for getting up, stripping down, putting on your running outfit and getting going. Because he says, go now, run for it. Like a long distance runner. One who's, did, did you do cross country at school? Yeah. Did you hate cross country at school? Yes. It was always cold, wet and muddy in the Lake District. And there was sheep and cow poo all over the fields. I have to tell you that. Cross country was horrible in the Lake District. However... The thing about cross country in the Lake District is that wasn't enough. There was even worse people who did fell running and ran up the side of mountains. Crazy people. Until they got to the top. And man, what a view. What a view. Amazing. So we go for it. We rise up. We set our sights on Jesus. We keep him right at the centre of our church. This church isn't about church. It's about Jesus. We need to understand church is about Jesus. The message is Jesus, not the message is join faith life because we're different or we're nice or whatever. The message is Jesus. That's the message we live. That's the message we breathe. And that's the message we speak. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship.